السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگز آف اللہ بی اپون یو ویلکم ٹو انادر ایڈیشن آف دی بریکفسٹ شو ہے آن دا وائس آف اسلام ریڈیو ٹوڈے از ونسڈے دی ٹینتھ آف جنوری ٹوینٹی As well, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and uh, good morning to you and how are you doing this, this, this lovely morning? <laughs> wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you too. I mean, I'm doing okay. Just, uh, you know, thinking about the weather as well. Every time I, I get out, that kind of di- dictates the way I feel. And, yeah. you know, we're going through a bit of a period of, you know, the chilly, the chilly winds and uh, a bit of ice here and there. Yeah. Very light snow sometimes coming and then just disappearing. Snow, yeah, that's true. It's teasing us. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing very well and uh, hopefully we can go through a really nice jam-packed show today. Yeah, I mean, hopefully not too much uh, under the under the weather because, it, like you said, it is it is quite cold and we'll talk about the weather um, in, in just a bit as well. But uh, what we're going to be talking about is, like you said, very, very interesting, a jam-packed show as well. We're going to be talking about, uh, as we as we usually do, in, you know, from time to time, we talk about different problems which people are facing such as anxiety and depression how that can leave us feeling not up to the things that really matter to us and we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about that how we can tackle that we're going to be talking to some experts also who would shed some light uh, in regards to this in regards to what anxiety and depression actually are because a lot of people may actually intertwine them or mix them up or think that they're one and the same thing but they can be you know they can be you know how effective they can be to your, to 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 our mental health how that can sort of take over our lives as well a lot yeah. of people um go down a very a very dark hole in regards to that as well but you know different things in regards to that we're going to be talking about also and in sort of the the next part of or next part of the show towards the latter part of the show we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of uh, weight lo- weight loss drugs so that's going to be quite interesting as well obviously as we did turn the new year it is a new year 2024 and a lot of people have these new year's res- new year's resolutions also it's a different question how long they last for for some people some people longer than others but one of the things which people are mostly concerned about is their diet how they how they are physically and uh, when it comes to their weight a lot of people might think you know they they might be they this, might even be ashamed this is my year this is my year this I'm is gonna, my year I'm gonna lose weight this year this is what i'm going to do that's my resolution again <laughs> <laughs> i mean again i'll say that though i mean some people for some people that last longer than others uh, that passion uh, for some people it might be that that fake enthusiasm as well which might just go go after a little bit but still but still these are two very interesting topics that we're going to be talking about obviously it's an interactive show and the lines are open if you want to contact us if you want to call us the number to call in as always is 0208687 7878 um it's also very interesting because like you mentioned the weather we have you know as soon as the new year hit it has it's just been freezing um obviously in the north it's much colder than it is over here but uh, what does the bbc the bbc reports that today will be mostly dry in the south with some sunshine but northern areas generally will be cloudier and less and less cold which is quite interesting with some spells of uh, of drizzle fading through from the northeast to the afternoon and tonight 
will be chilly but less cold than recently, staying cloudy in the north in the northeast England, southern and eastern Scotland with some drizzle, but it will be dry and clear in the south, variable cloud elsewhere. Um, tomorrow, in the southern and western areas will see spells of brightness for a time, but it will turn cloudy for all through the day and a, a dry and settled day, but breezy along eastern and far southern coasts. And the outlook for Friday on to the weekend will be mostly cloudy, cloudy on Friday, but some bright spells in eastern Scotland and northern Ireland. Northern Scotland will see a few spells of rain moving overnight, variable cloud for most on Saturday, with some patchy light rain in northern areas turning breezy, and partly cloudy and colder day on Sunday, as an uh, as an Arctic n- northerly develops, a few showers developing with snow in Scotland, which is quite expected uh, as well. So it is going to be going to stay cold, relatively dry, um, yeah. but uh, but still cold. But still cold. Yeah. So sometimes I don't mind like that. If it's a little bit cold, but it's clear and um, you know it's dry, then yeah, we'll it's see. not too bad. Unless there's obviously ice, then it's yeah. then it's trouble. But I mean, uh, I mean, we're used to this kind of weather in the UK, aren't we? Yeah, we so, are. Um, I think it's come a bit late as well. Should have come earlier. In, should have come in, a bit earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it should have come a bit earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, but two, two thousand and twenty-three was the uh, since the records began was the hottest year overall, uh, which was you know which was recorded with some some really really hot days, and a lot of records were broken as well. Um, you know, uh, throughout the year, that it was that it was quite hot. So that's. Uh, I mean, it's, it's strange that there are still people who deny the the whole global warming and Ooh, yeah. climate change. Yeah, I mean, they call it climate change now, isn't it? Because yeah. <laughs> obviously, Just, it's co- the cold weather's the cold seasons are getting colder, yeah. and the hot seasons are getting hotter as well. And it's sort of like like you mentioned, it, it's a little bit late because I think I believe that the the seasons are a little bit shifting, isn't it? They're going to they're going a little bit forwards. Mm. Um, so you know it's uh, it is something which is uh, which is definitely there, which is definitely out there, and a lot of people, like you said, a lot of world leaders don't agree upon this, or mm. ex world leaders. <laughs> I think you know who <laughs> I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so that's quite that's quite interesting. But uh, what's um, what's happening in the in the news? Anything the news. that uh, that's uh, caught your eye? I mean, I think the the major story, which is uh, which has hit the papers this uh, this morning, hmm. in relation to is in relation to the whole post post office scandal, or the Horizon scandal they call it, yeah. um, it which is basically which saw hundreds of innocent sub postmasters wrongfully prosecuted, and this was because of a, um, a faulty computer system which made it look like money was missing, uh, where in fact it was because of that that fault. And that led to then, you know, hundreds of prosecutions against the sub postmasters, and uh, mm. um, you know, and now the the former head, you can say, uh, Paula Venels, she was the head of the post office between 2012 and 2019. There was a long, a big online petition for her to then mm. uh, forfeit her CBE um, with 1.2 million uh, signatures, and uh, she did that uh, yesterday, and she forfeited it and said that you know, um, she really yeah. hopes that. You know, people do get the justice that they that they have been seeking as well. It's been a long mm. twenty-five year fight for justice, um, but it did leave her with a good bit of money in her pocket—about five million payout yeah. after all that. Yeah. Um, so the Metro then, obviously, you know, it, the headlines go with that. Also, the Times think that the Post Office chief to give up her CBE over the scandal. Um, they think that she has blood on her hands. 
Um, there are now some people are even saying to give back the millions as well after she's forfeited her CBE. She should also be ashamed and give back her, hmm. you know, the money that she did make from it from the you know the bonuses and the pension, etc. Yeah. And what else? Uh, even the Financial Times goes with it. The Fujitsu One contracts under Sunak's watch, despite post office IT scandal, yeah. saying that these, um, you know, the faults were flagged in 2019. So they should, they should have done that a lot earlier. This, mm. You know, this action should have been taken a lot earlier. And what else is there in the news? I'm, trying, know, to, I'm trying to find something else which is not <laughs> the post office scandal. Yeah, I mean that is one of the main. That is one of the main things, isn't it? One of the main headlines. Um, it is uh, obviously we know that the we know that the the war is still happening, isn't it? Yes. In, in, in Gaza, in 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 Palestine, in Israel, against Palestine and Israel, and it's something which uh, which His Holiness, you know, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth Caliph of the Promised Messiah, has Mizam Masrur Ahmad may Allah be his helper. Yeah. He has been continuously telling us in his Friday sermons. You know, to to keep on with our with our efforts, what we can do is we can we can pray for those yeah. innocent civilians, those mothers, those fathers, those men, women, children, the elderly, all of those people who are getting caught up in the ceasefire. Literally, you see videos of you know li- little children playing, and then the next day, um, you know they they they're shot down, um, and it's it's devastating to look at these videos. To look at the raw images, the the raw footage as well, which people are posting on social media um, from there, uh, from the ground level, and uh, His Holiness has been telling us to, to you know to pray for those innocent people, those innocent lives. Yeah. But also, you know, raising our voices in our in our own spheres when it comes to you know talking to talking to the politicians, urging them for an urgent ceasefire. And making sure that there is making sure that there is justice, because you know without without this because without all of this <coughs> without justice, there won't be any sort of you know it's it's going to be a difficult a difficult situation because now it seems as if Israel are trying to sort of just take off take over take over the whole uh, you know the whole of Gaza, and. Um, yeah, they've also said that you know yeah. the operation will continue throughout twenty twenty four. Throughout twenty twenty four as well, exactly, exactly. So I mean, like, what do the people of Gaza want? What do they do? Where do they go? These kind of questions they must be thinking about every single day. Like, mm. how do we return home? Where is home like now? What is home exactly? Yeah. exactly. When we return, will there be a home? Mm. They'll have to rebuild, obviously, the whole. The way that the you know you can hit from from the interview on LBC when you heard the Israeli ambassador to the UK. Speaking about tunnels being under every other home, under every mm. mosque, under every hospital, there are tunnels. Mm. And then being questioned, like, if if that is the case, then does that mean that all of Gaza is going to be destroyed? And she said, what, I mean, what else can we do? Yeah. So this kind of uh, rhetoric yeah. is very, yeah. very dangerous. And and we hope that it doesn't really reflect what the government is um, truly feels. But mm. the way that it seems things are going, it does not surprise us at all that this is what they want and this is what they're going to do. You know what I'm surprised about, mm. Shadil, yeah. is that you know they were able to target the deputy, um, what's it called, the Hezbollah uh, leader, yeah. in a strike where well you didn't have to destroy the whole building. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that's that's interesting. You know when it's when it's in another country, 
Yeah. You know, just a quick uh, targeted attack. Target get the, get the attack, person yeah. you want, and you're done. You don't have to do so much collateral damage. Exactly. But in Gaza, it's wow. It's, it's Let's just opposite, bomb yeah. everything we can. That will get the person that we want. If there's other people who die there, then then so be it. Mm. It was worth the cause, and we're really sad that they lost their lives. But I mean, why can't they target the you know the Hamas people? Uh, you know the the members and the tunnels. Just that like they've been targeting the people abroad. Yeah. So it's it's a really strange one, and I feel like. It feels more like policy. This is my opinion. It feels mm. more like it's policy, to, you know, to target, um, you know, mass areas. And mm. they've said it. They've admitted it in their own words as well. It's an operation of, you know, destroy rather rather than accuracy. It's about damage. Exactly. Exactly. But we I mean we we talk about this every week, and it just seems to the situation seems to just worsen and not get any better. And you know, even America now is speaking about you know trying to. Get Israel out of there as soon as possible, after they've completed their mission. Hmm. But that's just mere words, and you know, lip it's service words, doesn't yeah. really do anything. Just for those Gazans there, they're still losing their lives, they're still losing family members, hmm. losing limbs. They're, what sort of trauma are they going through? What sort of depression will they be going through? Hmm. But we've seen a lot of resilience in those in the people, haven't we? And um, yeah, the way, we that, have. The way we that, have. that they tolerate the circumstances that they're going through. It's really eye-opening and sometimes very faith-inspiring. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely, it is. Um, well, we see that we see, as you mentioned, America. Yeah. And how you know they, how they are say they are sort of raising their voices. They are saying to they are saying to stop. But it almost seems as if you know it's it's it is just lip service, just like you mentioned. Yeah. And uh, even His Holiness, in one of his Friday sermons as well, quite recently. He even said that you know because the the elections are coming up yeah. in in America and other countries as well, and uh, this is w- one of the major reasons why people why you know why these why why these you know presidents or people in power they are raising their voices just so that they can win the seats and uh, win their position again um, for a second term, but. It, that's the thing, isn't it? It's 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 about their vested interest. And if they if they're actually interested in peace, if they're actually yeah. interested in saving those civilians and saving innocent lives, then obviously they can do much more. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's almost as if they 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 literally don't want to. And it is sad as well. And just like His Holiness is continuously telling us to pray for those people, to raise our voices, to talk to the politicians, to urge them, write letters to them. And do our own bit, yeah. That we can, you know, make sure that uh, something is done. Something is definitely done. Instead of you know wasting money on proxy wars and this and that, yeah. You know, the, you know, the UK government sending so much money over there as well. But instead of because that's not directly linked to us. If that, if we can save that sort of money, save money which is spent in you know elsewhere, such as the fireworks or this and that, the countdown. We can actually pay those places or give money or pay those funds where money is actually needed, such as the NHS, such as the public sector, such as all of these other things. We can actually put money to 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 where it should be going, instead of you know funding proxy wars and uh, you know spending money on somewhere which is you know thousands of miles away. What 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 need is there is is there for us? So if we do want to get involved in that, then get involved in a, in a just way yeah um, absolutely calling out where injustice is happening if justice injustice is happening in one place or the or the other calling it out not just saying oh 
or what happened in you know a particular time they did wrong or this and that and then blaming the whole the whole war on just that one act you could, uh, that's not justice you can't you can't mm. be doing that speaking of injustice uh, we're back to the Rwanda bull again where you know there's a lot there's been a number of rebels in the Tory party who have spoken spoken up against uh, prime minister rishi sunak about his um, his policies and how they need to be toughened up how the new mm. Rwanda deportation laws need to be toughened up. Form, mm. The former immigration minister, Robert Jenrick, he warned the prime minister that the stakes could not be higher. And and he sets out, as he sets out plans to change legislation in a vote, a series of crunch votes that is next week. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of like high, uh, high profile, you know, members of the, uh, the Tory party that are backing um, Henrik as well in this, uh, Jenrik, mm. uh, Robert Jenrik in this, such as you can see like Rick, Jacob Rees-Mogg, uh, Rees there's Swella Braverman, uh, so Ian Duncan-Smith, um, you know, um, them and um, they're among the 30 MPs backing his reforms. So it's uh, another tough week for Rishi Sunak and, yeah. um, you know, we're already hearing about by-elections and, um, you know, when, when, they're going to, when are they going to be? It uh, doesn't seem they're going to be in the first half of the year. But you know, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen in the UK? Are we are we going to change change parties very soon, or not? Or is it going to be more? The you same? never know because uh, a lot of people who were who were sort of who who, who used to vote Labour yeah. all the time, they are saying that you know we're we're not going to vote Sir Keir Starmer in. Yeah, we we don't want him in. If there was a different leader with a different manifesto, with different plans, who was actually for the people because the Labour Party is mostly for the working class right yeah if 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 there was a different leader with different uh, policies then we will vote that person in but this person <laughs> Sir Starmer respectfully a lot of people are saying a lot of you know Labour voters are saying that no mm. we don't we don't want him so it's a it's, it's a bit of a sticky one a bit of a tricky one um, even even some Tories uh, Conservative Party People who used to vote the Conservative Party is in, mm. even they're saying that we don't want, you know, we we, we don't want the cut, we don't want Rishi Sunak to to come again or anyone else from this party. We want to reshuffle. We want other people to come in because the policies are something which uh, we, which they don't agree with. Their their manifestos. I mean, they did say Rishi Sunak did say that he was going to reduce uh, the the inflation rates, isn't it? Last yeah. year he said that he's going to re- reduce that by the end of the year, but. We still see that inflation rate is uh, is still high. Yes, it has gone down a little bit from what it was pre, what it was in the start of pre last year, but still, but still, it is quite, it is still high. Uh, you know, we can talk about uh, energy bills and all these other bills that we have, taxes, they have gone up. Yes, the fuel pi- prices have gone a little bit down recently. Oh, mine haven't. <laughs> British gas and are good at asking for more. Mm. So I thought, let me listen. No, no, I'm, I'm just talking about the you know petrol, <laughs> petrol. Diesel, oh, okay, petrol. petrol yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. didn't mean to to yeah. name and shame, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, like you said, the the energy bills have gone up, have gone up, you know, and and they are up. And a lot of people need are relying on extra funds to come in. From the government, or they're having to to they're having to claim, they're having to claim benefits and socials, um, just so that they can pay the bills. So that's uh, that's the situation that we're actually in. So I'm not actually sure if uh, if we will have 
if it will go down that path of you know voting in the voting in Labour or or the Lib Dems or whatever. Yeah, I mean whatever whatever outcome there is, it doesn't the future doesn't look bright at the moment. It seems very bleak, and we don't really sure who will bring about you know the right changes the right that we change. require. Exactly. It seems like if we you know if the Tory Party is voted back in, then it's more the same. Same, but at the yeah. same time, voting in Kistama seems like his policies are starting to align a lot more with, with you know, Tory policies. That's the thing. And, That's what people are pe- saying. Yeah, people are thinking that he doesn't really distinguish himself as some as the one that is the change vote. He's more of just a different name and just trying to freshen yeah. things yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. But you know, same kind of policies. Same kind of policies. And that's what people are scared about because you know he's been uh, even with this whole Palestine um, Israel issue. Hmm. Keir Starmer's stance on it has really, I think, I think, it's disappointed a lot of people. The way that he's, um, you know, he's had, he's had double standards and, yeah. in terms of his treatment of Russia and then the treatment of Israel. The That's way a that lot he, of people, though. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I think that, that you could see from the millions of people who go out in the streets, it's um, th- there is a lot of backing for a ceasefire and for the you know for justice to prevail in the land and for this war to end. But his stance seems to be the same as you know the the governments at the moment, mm. which is let them defend themselves and do the job of you know get rid of all Hamas, which is impossible mm. on a military basis. But then again, this is uh, the UK and this is the yeah. set of situations we find ourselves in. That's hopefully true. things That's change true. and hopefully we find you know the right leaders, the right people to um, you know look after the country and to really represent us in a way that we require mm. and someone we can be proud of and to say that this is our, our you know the one who leads our country, but. Again, we don't. We're not in that situation yet, and we yeah, only hope and we pray yet. that you know we do find such leaders. Yeah, um, just talking about uh, staying on the subject of uh, of, of politics. Yeah, France has uh, in its uh, its youngest ever prime minister. Yeah, thirty four year old, I believe, and uh, I mean he's the new leader of uh, of France. Uh, I mean, when it comes to prime minister, prime minister, the prime yes. minister, yeah. the prime minister. Um, but uh, you know that's that, that's quite interesting. That's quite interesting as well. He's very young, so I think thirty four. Thirty four, yeah. yeah thirty four. Thirty four. Yeah. So that's. Uh, I mean, you're from. I know you're from <laughs> Mauritius, but <laughs> your father is from France, isn't it? No, no. I was actually born in France. Oh, so, so you're my father was there for a number of years, and I was, you know, and I was born there. Right, right, right. So I mean, not that it means much because I was a baby when I came. Here, <laughs> so it's not like I'm following the politics that yeah. rigorously in France. But. Um, just uh, just coming draw, drawing a conclusion to to this as well. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on on the, on the foot on the football on the Premier League? I mean, there's now been the, um, there's, there's well. been some FA Cup action the recently Cup as action, well. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's a there's a nice surprise yesterday for Chelsea, losing to Middlesbrough one nil. Um, Arsenal did great, didn't they? Yeah, Arsenal did, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, we were talking about yeah, we were talking about this just before we came on. Kiki <laughs> came on air. They've uh, sort of uh, bot- starting to bottle it, isn't it? Yeah, uh, a, bit, a, b- a bit early. A Sh- bit early showing the true colours a bit too <laughs> earlier. <laughs> United finally, Manchester United finally got a win after a long... After a long, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I mean it was a penalty. It was 2-0. It was a very one-sided game, to be honest, but um, it was an expected win, and you should be winning those kind of games. Yeah. And... Yeah. I think the surprising thing is that they, they lived up to the <laughs> expectation yeah. normally they fall short of that Yeah. but I mean Chelsea won't be too happy as I said losing 1-0 in the first leg to, to Middlesbrough hmm. um, 
I mean, that's 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 pretty much it. I mean, that's, back that's to back much, to Premier League. Soon. Yeah, that's Premier Premier League. Yeah, on the on the on you know on the weekend and the next week as well. But um, uh, as you know, it is go- it's still going to be FA Cups uh, the FA Cup next week. Uh, next week also, there oh, are some inter- international games uh, as well, and the Africa Cup of Nations is also looming. Uh, yeah. Is also looming. Is yeah. also. So that's so funny. I always find it strange that there's some other international, well, not international, but like a a continental, continental tournament going cups. on in the middle of a. I mean, of a we season. have Euros, isn't it? We have Euros. We have Copa America. Yeah, that's true. We've done that as well here. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's not regular. though it's normally uh, happens uh, in the summer summer break. Yeah. So yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. But uh, obviously, like the like the World Cup, it happened. It happened. Uh, you know, mid-season, in the win- yeah, yeah mid season and and in the winter. Well, for us, it was the winter. Yeah. So for them. That might be the best time, isn't it? Yeah. Otherwise, in the summer, it might get too hot for them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's that. So there's that. Um, so we'll draw a conclusion to this as well. We're going to be taking a short break. And then when we when we come back, we're going to go into our first segment. And uh, we're going to be talking about the anxiety, anxiety and also depression. What exactly are those two definitions and how we can sort of talk about them, treat them, and get through that process as well of uh, of recovery. So stay with us, stay tuned. We'll be back after a short after a short break. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Simplified answers to frequently asked questions. Why is it not permitted to hang up pictures in a mosque? Is there a misconception that they will come alive? There is no such notion in the Islamic teachings that pictures might come alive. Pictures are not allowed to be hung in mosques where Muslims pray for the simple reason that pictures can be a cause for distraction. When a Muslim prays, all his concentration should be on God and no physical objects are even needed to establish a spiritual link with the Supreme Being. This is the reason for the absence of any physical objects, including pictures, inside the mosque where Muslims pray. Keeping this in mind, there will be no sense in hanging pictures in the mosque which might distract the worshippers. Otherwise, Islam does not prohibit the hanging of pictures in other places. The purpose of religion is that man should obtain deliverance from his passions and should develop personal love for God Almighty through certain faith in his existence and his perfect attributes. Such love of God is the paradise which will appear in diverse shapes in the hereafter. To be unaware of the true God, to keep away from him and not to have any love for him is the hell which will appear in diverse shapes in the hereafter. Thus, the true purpose is to have full faith in him. The purpose of the voice of Islam is to inform people of the true teachings of Islam and to make it abundantly clear that Islam's teachings perfectly conform and relate to the needs of every era and every person. The Voice of Islam brings you a whole range of exciting programs each week, 24 hours a day. Tune into our current affairs programs such as Pathway to Peace and Faith in Focus. Welcome to another episode of Pathway to Peace. 
Welcome to Faith in Focus, an hour of discussion, debate, and dialogue. Find out about faith in the current age with Science Hour and Around the Table. Welcome back to the Science Show here on The Voice of Islam. Welcome to another edition of Around the Table. Join us on Voice of Islam throughout the week for a wide range of programs for you to enjoy. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu alaikum wa wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. As mentioned before the break, we're going to be talking about anxiety and depression and how that can leave us not feeling up to uh, not feeling to the things that we actually want to do, the things that actually matter to us. In, a, in an attempt to conserve energy, we often lose momentum. And uh, taking taking small steps, planning uh, sort of things which are which are fun, and considering our, our our values can help us get through these difficult times, these difficult these difficult periods. And that's something that we're going to be talking about in this uh, in this part of the, in this part of the show. I mean, I mean, let's let's. It's important to remember that this is a call-in show, so. You know, if you do want to um, speak to us, or you have a story to share with us, then do call in at 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at The Voice of Islam UK. Um, so, I mean, just I mean, one of the things which is um, important about this subject is, you know, being stuck in a spider web, and how this is a w- this is one way of describing the feeling of not wanting to or being able to do daily tasks. That's what they call it. It's like a mm. like a spider. Imagine that like, you're stuck on a spider. I just, well, when I when I hear that, I just remember like uh, the Lord of the Rings and Frodo stuck in the, <laughs> stuck in the spider web. But she loves and she loves the. Uh, so it's a good way of describing the anxiety. I mean, it's, it's obviously a very yeah. um, important and you know, very uh, somber subject. One which requires a lot of attention because you know in this day and age of social media. It's it's really, you know, the these these cases of depression, anxiety are really spiking up, yeah. And so, you know, we really need to get to the, get the source of the issue, the core, mm. the root of the issue, and try to, you know, to deal with it from there. Yeah. Um, and it can be difficult actually to overcome. It can. And, it can. Um, and oftentimes becomes a trigger for stress. And depression can range from being sad, you know, as a result of the daily challenges, um, to a serious medical illness, which can be treated through seeking professional aid yeah and in terms of like the types of depression you know there are there are actually many types and there's many different 
um, you can say you can say illnesses, or you can say cases um, where there's clinical depression, there's chronic depression, situational depression, atypical depression, postpartum depression, mm. bipolar disorder, and seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, but um, I mean we can we can speak to our first guest on the on the show today, which is Dr. Neil D- Neil Nixon. Um, who is the Deputy Director of the Institute of Mental Health Centre for Mood Disorders and is a consultant psychiatrist for Nottinghamshire Healthcare NHS Foundation Trust. Good morning, Dr. Neil Nixon. Uh, how are you and uh, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for, thank you so much for joining us. Um, just, in, just in the beginning, on the very outset, just for the benefit of our listeners, a lot of people might confuse what depression and anxiety actually uh, actually is. Can you just define w- w- what they are and uh, those feelings? Because it, it can sort of be intertwined. Absolutely. Well, of course, at one level, these are almost universal feelings that your listeners will know well. And um, we have uh, large parts of our central nervous system dedicated to processing these emotions and, and for a reason that um, that's evolved because of how important they are to us that anxiety helps uh, us step back from the cliff edge from getting into all sorts of trouble um, that uh, depression or sadness helps us to connect at times of loss um, it can be really important in flagging up to us as well things that aren't working well in our lives things uh, where we may be uh, losing in relationships and work, um, these sorts of things. And so, so at that level, um, they're healthy, uh, they're, they're important, a bit like blood pressure. They help us um, get through and, um, and, and to live well. Um, and so I, I think for your listeners to, to know really importantly um, that uh, these things can be just an aspect of normal day-to-day ex- experience to be accepting of that and not too worried when they come up and maybe be curious at that level about um, what uh, uh, their bodies might be trying to flag up to them, what uh, might be going wrong, what they might be, uh, uh, what might need uh, changing. Um, I think mm. though uh, what you're getting at um, as well in your question is um, what we know that um, uh, at some point, a bit like blood pressure as well, uh, depression and anxiety can uh, become a problem in themselves. Uh, if they become more severe or if they um, become more per- pervasive or persistent so that they go on not for hours or days but weeks, months or, or years and seem to detach from anything that's triggered them, um, then that's the point when we begin to think about them as um, mental health problems or clinical disorders. And they're the sorts of things that maybe one in four, one in five of us will experience at some point in our lives. Yeah. And it's, it's something that people need to realize that they they have this, they have this, uh, this illness as well, isn't it? Because when people, when people tell them that you know they, they they might have depression they might be they might have anxiety and all of these different things they might not even realize and they might be in denial in regards to that as well so how yeah. can we sort of identify and sort of really really know yeah. that uh, yeah. that they have that 
Well, at, at that clinical level, it, it can, can be confusing, as, as you're guessing at. Sometimes people go into uh, these states quite quickly, but often they can be quite uh, gradual and imperceptible changes. The sorts of things you might notice is that your mood is persistently low or irritable or empty, and you're not feeling anything, you're not reacting sorts of things that used to make you feel happy, you're not enjoying things you used to, or even inclined to do them because you don't anticipate getting pleasure from them anymore, that you lose a sense of energy, even to the point you feel weighed down by your arms and legs, that they feel like lead to you, you're not eating or sleeping the way you used to, most classically that you're waking early in the morning before the alarm and you just can't get back to sleep, that you have a worse appetite, you're just not interested in food anymore, perhaps it's just not tasting uh, the same way you lose that basic um, um, perception and, and, and pleasure that you used to have. Um, and then the way that we think changes as well. Um, and so that can be very difficult to be aware of because, of course, we see the world from where we are. Uh, but the the types of uh, change in uh, thinking are that people become uh, more critical, negative towards themselves, and perhaps that leads into neglect of themselves and um, can result in loss of um, relationships, even secondary physical illnesses if people aren't looking after themselves. And they can become hopeless, thinking that um, this dreadful state that they're in won't change. And, that's very serious because um, it can lead into thoughts of suicide and perhaps suicidal uh, actions as well. And so those are the kinds of things, and particularly if people reflect that those are very different to how they have been in the past, or perhaps people around that person just recognizes and can reflect to them that sort of change. Those are the sorts of things that if they're going on for more than a few weeks, more persistently are the sorts of things that you, you might um, uh, take as a signal to, to, to maybe talk to and, and get someone and seek some help. Absolutely. I mean, Dr. Neil, if you look around the world, the issues that you know we're facing, there's, there's wars going on, inflation's you know, rocketed up. Mm. Um, you know, there's so, there's so many different issues that can be really overwhelming and it can make one really, you know, have a really negative outlook on life um, you know, so there's so much, so many things affecting people around the world. So, what can we do mm-hmm. in this regard? How can we? Is there a way we can just like block out the negativity, or we can, you know, t- you know, use this in a positive way? Well, uh, as uh, as you say, life drives thoughts, and we we live in difficult times. And um, I'm sure there are lots of people out there who are going through extremely difficult um, circumstances, and. Um, of course, a lot of that is, is beyond our immediate control. Um, one, one of the things I often advise people is to, to bring things back to where you think you, you might be able to um, take some positive control. Um, so think about, um, can you eat well? And at, at this time of, um, of the year, uh, do you need to take vitamin D supplements over the winter uh, months, if you can? Can you exercise? Uh, not everyone can. It's not uh, easy in, in, in all uh, circumstances. Can you sleep well? Can you do things about improving your sleep, not uh, 
taking uh, laptops and TVs to bed and um, uh, making sure you're not uh, uh, drinking tea and, and, and coffee after uh, midday. Yeah. And avoid things like uh, alcohol. If you uh, often people reach for those sorts of things at um, uh, difficult times, but it, it tends not to make things better. It tends to worsen sleep, and sleep is very important for control of, of mood. Um, and then uh, try to uh, be kind to yourself. Sometimes people find things like mindfulness helpful because that gives a way of um, um, being uh, self-aware uh, and, and switching away uh, a little bit from some of um, uh, these things that are, that are going on uh, around us and, and giving a, a bit of a, a break from those things. But if you are feeling as though, um, despite everything you're, you're trying to do, that um, you are becoming uh, more persistently depressed or anxious, then there are um, sources of help. Um, but you can go to see a GP. Uh, that's what the GPs are, are, are there for, uh, amongst other things, to look after mental health. Or, or people can refer to NHS talking therapy. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, yeah, gonna, there's people yeah. to speak to, and uh, there's help there. It's just about, it's exactly. just about reaching out, and hopefully, people, you know, yeah. you'll find the help that you require. You know, one yeah. thing that's really um, intrigued me is that you know the research that you have done has explored yeah. the the benefits of new technology to help yeah. support people living with you know treatment resistant depression, mm-hmm. um, and you know you have a project which will investigate the potential for artificial intelligence to help detect early signs mm-hmm. of depression in pregnant women. Yeah. Can you just tell us a bit more about that and how? You know, AI is and can play a really positive role in um, in helping diagnose this. Yeah, well, uh, so at the Institute of Mental Health, I'm leading a, a project working with a, um, a company uh, called uh, Blue Sky AI, and um, uh, we're about to open um, our first clinical trial using. Um, uh, an app, uh, so an app on your phone mm. uh, that uh, can o- o- automatically uh, monitor um, facial action uh, units, so changes in facial expression and speech prosody, so um, the stress and intonation of speech to put together a picture of mood. Um, and one of the advantages of that may be the earlier recognition of things like depression when it is becoming a a problem. Like I was saying uh, earlier on, it can be a bit confusing and difficult to know. Um, so that if we have um, an artificial intelligence, uh, a machine learning algorithm that can uh, reliably and automatically uh, identify important mood changes, particularly at periods like the pain April when we're talking about um, um, during pregnancy and um, uh, the uh, immediate that's a year after um, uh, giving birth, but particularly in that three months after giving birth, these are times when mood can change quite rapidly, mm. and uh, if it's not picked up quickly, um, it can have um, 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 it can have uh, uh, very uh, bad uh, outcomes. So, if we can um, uh, find a way to more effectively. Uh, monitor for, for those early mood changes, uh, then we can direct people to treatment. And uh, it's really important for your listeners to know as well that we people have looked at um, depression for thousands of years. As long as, long as people have written about um, illness, people have written about depression. 
and since the uh, middle of the last century we've developed really effective treatments for it, um, uh, both in talking therapies and antidepressants, particularly for more severe states of depression. But if we can identify uh, people earlier on, we can get them into the um, right uh, treatment pathways and we've got very good links with our maternity and perinatal mental health services for yes. doing that and really turn things around for people and uh, get much better outcomes for people. Fascinating stuff. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, the results that we get from this and how it can mm. really help people uh, in future as well. Um, in an interest of time, Neil, uh, Dr. Neil, I'll have to, have to let you go. It's been a really fascinating uh, talk from yourself and uh, to give us a good insight into the subject. Well, thank, thanks thank, for having me on. Absolutely. And I'd be delighted to come and let you know about the results of the study. <laughs> thank you very much. Looking okay. forward to that. Thank okay. you very much. Have a good Bye-bye. day, Dr. Neil. That was Dr. Neil Nixon, who is the Deputy Director of the Institute of Mental Health's Centre for Mood Disorders. Hmm. I mean, that was, uh, I find that really interesting how, um, you know, there are certain depressions, you know, you can, as you can tell, which, you know, the, the yeah, antidepressants yeah, is, not, is not really helping with. So, you know, how do you help, you know, how do you help them? And, you know, and he's really given us an insight how they can yeah, find diagnose those, those issues before early on so that we can yeah. you know that th- they don't allow them to get to that stage to where it's very stage, very yeah, difficult exactly. to, to get out of i mean with this new technology it is quite promising isn't it yeah to get these if AI used correctly yeah. if you obviously if used correctly <laughs> in regards to this so let's but let's speak to our next guest who's on the line with us uh, mr mr david smithson who is the director of communications and external affairs at anxiety uk which is responsible seeing all aspects of communications media and public relations uh, and a lot a lot of different things as well david thank you so much for joining us peace be upon you good morning uh, thank you for inviting me to join you again it's a, it's a pleasure to speak to you talking about depression and anxiety anxiety and uh, you know different uh, different uh, different mental illnesses can yeah. you explain the prevalence of that in in our society today? It almost as, it seems as if it's you know a lot of you know more people are getting uh, are getting this or falling prey to this. Sure. sure, I think I think what we're seeing is is, is a, in a, a, a combination of things. I think hmm. on the one hand we're seeing more prevalence of things like anxiety, anxiety-based depression because yeah people are having to to deal with some real challenging things. So we're looking. Just currently in life, generally, we've not long since come out of this global pandemic, and that caused actually in people. We're now going through this cost of living crisis. We're seeing uh, real pressure on people in terms of, you know, finances. That can be an underlying cause of stress and anxiety and depression. It can, yeah. So I think you know, lots of different things happening in life generally is is causing us all to worry. You know, another a simple word for anxiety is worry or fear. So I think that's a that's that's a partly uh, uh, explained some of the prevalence. And I think on the other hand as well, we talk a lot more about mental health. People are more encouraged to to open up about their mental health, to seek help and support. And I think while that's a good thing and, and that's helping to reduce the stigma, hmm. it's also maybe maybe you know, helping. Uh, helping us feel that, that, that there's a greater prevalence of it because more people are talking about it, more people are being open about it. So, on the one hand, it's a good thing. On the other hand, it's making it look as if the problem is bigger than it is. Mm. 
Yeah. And maybe that problem was there all the time, but just people didn't talk about it in, in 10, 15, 20 years ago. So yeah. I think there's a combination of things going on there, potentially. I mean, there's a lot of mix-ups, isn't it? And a lot of uh, yeah. intertwinings. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just like you said, just like Absolutely. you mentioned. But are there any misconceptions then uh, about 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 depression, about anxiety, what people actually feel? Maybe they, there's yeah. uh, a lot of people say something, but it's not actually true. I think what, what one of the biggest misconceptions I've come across is that people believe that, that you know, once you have a, a mental health condition that you're going to live with it for the rest of your life, that yeah. it's a perfect state. And it's not that. It's like any other illness. We talk about mental health in the same way as we talk about physical health. Yeah. You know, if you had a, a an injury from playing sport, a, a sprain or a broken uh, ankle or something from playing football, you know, that would that would get better, wouldn't it? It would improve over time. You'd, you'd have treatment and, and mm. you'd go to normal. And it's the same with mental health. Sure. You know, the, the people often ask us, is there a cure for anxiety? And there isn't because it's a natural phenomenon. It's a natural natural occurring thing. We always fear fear things, don't we? We all experience a certain level of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But it, it's whether it's, it's manageable or not, whether we cope with it or not. Um, so we're not looking to cure it. We are looking to help people manage it better. Right, right. But by managing it better, they're getting better. They are living, they're able to live life normally, the same as that person who's recovered from a broken ankle. So I think the biggest misconception for me is that, that this perception that mental health is a permanent state, and, and you know, once, you, once you're in that state, you can never get out of it. That's not the case at all. Yeah. It can be difficult. It can take a lot of time. But it's it's not a that's that to me is the biggest misconception about mental health. Mm. David, the, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, please. I can say that's why it's important to get help early on as well. The sooner you get treatment, the sooner you get on that path to recovery or, or, or feeling better. I mean, uh, again, just just coming on from what you just said right at the end there. Um, yeah. You know, we all like we all do feel sad. We all have times when we're down. Some things are yeah. you know you know bring us down a little bit. But what's the difference between how do we like how do we know that there's there's early warning signs when um, what's the difference yeah. between just being you know a bit down being um, under the weather a little bit and also knowing when when we're actually struggling with our mental health what's you know how do we know what those signs are? I think the, the, the easiest way to try and explain that is if you're managing with it if you're coping with it you feel a bit you know, gloomy or whatever and especially this time of year we've heard of seasonal affective disorder I think this whole mm. You know, when it's getting dark at four o'clock in the afternoon and it's not light till eight o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that gets me down. I hate this. I hate this time of year. But you know, for some people, that's a real challenge. So, just an example. So, but but for most of us, we cope with it. Don't we? we can just get on with it. But I think what the warning sign when you need help is when that those kind of things, those those mood swings, those those low feelings, actually start to interfere with your day to day functioning. So if you're coping with it, you're still getting up and getting on with work. That's fine. If you're struggling to get up with it and get on with work or to, to be, you know, function normally, so that, that is, so when it starts to impact on your day-to-day functioning, that's the sign that it's more than just feeling a bit low. That's the sign that you need some help. So you're struggling more than just, you know, uh, it's not something you just cope with and deal with and get on with. Hmm. But if, you know, you... You, you struggle to get out of bed in the morning. You struggle. You keep calling in sick because you just can't face going into work, or you know you, you can't get out of bed in the morning. It's that bad, or you can't be bothered having a shower, 
Um, you know, you, you're just not looking after yourself. You're not taking care of yourself. And you're not doing those routine day-to-day things that the rest of us would normally do. That's the sign, that's the warning sign for me that you need to get help and support, that you're not coping with that uh, in that natural way. I mean, as, again, um, I mean, everything you're saying is in line with what we want to hear, but at the same time, we want to, we want to know what are those techniques-specific strategies yeah. and techniques you know because we're here on the voice of islam and for us we for us we we find comfort in our in in, in our god and in Absolutely. finding um you know a spiritual um that connection with a higher power who who we believe sees all our struggles and is there for us when we do need him and we do call out to him the moment we turn to him we feel we feel that that, that inner peace uh, in a way sure. so i mean sure. in in terms of on a, on a clinical basis what are the specific strategies what, or techniques that one can that you can recommend for for somebody who is trying to manage their stress or anxiety? Sure. I mean, you, you're right. I mean, that's on, on a spiritual level, that there's one 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 dimension, isn't there? And I think yeah. you know, your faith can be important to you, and that's you know, shouldn't, shouldn't under, uh, undermine that how important that is. But on on, on a more practical and clinical level, first and foremost, I think I would say. Talk to somebody. You know, for, for if, if you are feeling that low, one of the best ways to get yourself onto a recovery pathway is to is to talk to somebody to let know how you're feeling. Because often bottling it up is is not helpful. Um, not to, not letting people know because you've got nobody to help and support you, to encourage you, to to talk to. Um, so I think you know there, there are a variety of practical steps you can take, but. To me, if I was putting them in order of priority, I'd put talking to somebody at the top of that list. And then after that, do things that, that, that look after yourself. So, and, and, and that's just make sure you're eating well, make sure you're sleeping well, you're taking some exercise. All those simple things about nurturing and caring for our bodies healthily are important for our mental health as much as they are for our physical health. So consider that. You know, can you Can you do things to to help you relax. You know, have a long soak in a bath of a night time, you know, a nice hot bath to make you feel relaxed before you go to bed. That will maybe help you get a good night's sleep. So that's sort of practical things. And then in the moment, sometimes when you're feeling a bit panicky, um, just just a simple breathing exercise can be really helpful to calm you down. Um, so there's lots of self-help things. And then you, you then look, start to get onto the paths of talking therapy you know might be something that you need to undertake yeah so, there's lots of self-help tools mindfulness mindfulness activities such as crocheting or yoga or gardening or you know things that you can do to stop your mind wandering but keep you active and keep you engaged in something and focusing on the here and now yeah and not sitting there worrying all the time so yeah it ranges from that but but those self-help tools might not be enough. You might need some professional help as well. And again, like your earlier caller was saying, it could be talking therapy, it could be medication. You know, sometimes medication doesn't work for some people. Uh, but again, it's finding the right pathway. So you need to talk to the, your GP or your whoever the GP might refer you to. So it, it all depends on, on you know, where you are on that sort of spectrum of can you manage it yourself just through self-help tools or do you need that professional help? Absolutely. I mean, we should understand for especially our listeners out there. They should understand that there, there is definitely help there. 
there's even if yeah. you can't find it even if you can't get out to a community of people who can help you then you know as you said there are apps there are people there, there's a lot of information online there's certain exercises you can do your physical health has a big effect on your mental health as well so i mean thank well, thank you very much for you know for enlightening us on that david um you know giving us some more information on that it's really been helpful and hope that Pleasure. our listeners have, uh, have derived a lot of benefit from that have a lovely I hope so. thank you for having me on thank you very much have a lovely rest of the day thank you so that was Dave um, Smithson, who is the Director of Communication and External Affairs at Anxiety UK, who's given us some more insight into how we can deal with the with our depression and anxiety and how we can diagnose that early on. Hmm. Well, I think it is it, it is very, very much important to look at those signs, isn't it? Those, yeah, absolutely. Those red flags so that you can make sure that, you know, it's not just it's not just about feeling down. It might be something it might be something more than that. So you might actually be feeling depressed. On a, on a different on a different scale, so it's 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 all about dealing with yeah, trying to trying to nip it in the bud, if possible. Obviously, if you know if you leave it too late, it can get harder to cure. But that doesn't mean that it's uh, you know that, that you're you're stuck with it for the rest of your life. You no. still can cure it uh, afterwards as well. Um, but uh, of course, it, the, the news is dooming. We'll be back after that as well. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. We were talking about anxiety and, and depression before the before the news break, and uh, we, sp- we spoke to two guests as well, two specialists in regards to this, and I think both of them both of them spoke about how we can, you know, how, how important it is to actually identify. Uh, these problems, these illnesses, and how we can sort of treat them as well. What are the best treatments uh, for that? And we, you know, we just have to reiterate also that taking care of yourself is very, very much important. A lot of people neglect their health. A lot of people neglect their 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 physical health, and because of that, their their mental health gets uh, gets affected by that as well. I mean, they always say a healthy body, healthy mind. So if you keep yourself healthy, if you keep yourself fit and fit and active, you, yeah. if you eat healthy as well, your mind will be healthy also. But obviously, if you don't take care of it, if you just eat whatever you want, junk food, this and that, if you don't take care of your, of your, of your, of your, of your, of your diet, if you don't take care of yourself physically, then your mind will be affected by that as well. And obviously, spirituality plays in. Uh, that role as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, before before we go down the route, I think it's very important to just reiterate mm. that if you are feeling like very, very down, and you know you have um, depression, 
if it can be crippling or if you're having even suicidal thoughts, it's very important to to seek professional help. There is help out there. There are people who 100%. can help you and speak to you and speak through the issues that you're going through. Um, so we should not downplay the, you know, the the important role that that does play in in helping people to overcome. Um, you know the mental health illnesses or the of issues course, that they are going through, but yeah, back to the the spiritual side of it. I did mention to to David as well, our, our, our second guest, how you know for us as a, as a religious community, we have um, certain already we have a lot of techniques and a lot of uh, you know um, methods which are put put in place for us to to you know prevent us from mm. falling, falling into, into, into the trap e- of you know, that spiraling hole, yeah exactly and in one of those community that community feel is something which um, brings people together and it is a way to to speak and we know we talk about speaking therapy we're talking about we talked about um just just being able to discuss your issues with somebody how how important that is that helps rather than bottling up the the issues you've been facing yeah. and that just getting that off your chest is a way to really to really then acknowledge that you have an issue and to also then take the next steps to to improve on that and to improve your mental health mm-hmm. um and on, on on top of that there is the whole exercise side of it as well even prayer in itself within islam um there are certain movements and certain uh, positions like bowing and prostrating and standing and sitting all yeah. of those things are targeting certain muscle uh, sets as well within the body and um so that that in itself <clears throat> the exercise um side of it is like what you just said about yeah. you know taking care of the body and how that takes care of the mind as well mm-hmm. the into the very close uh, link between the mind and the body but also the soul because the soul is something which we believe um, every single human being has yeah. and whether it's dormant or whether it's active is, is is another question but it also needs to be looked after just like our bodies bodies need to be looked after and then the of promised course. messiah peace be upon him you know the founder of the Ahmadi muslim community he's explained very beautifully how the soul needs to be uh, just like our bodies need to be fed and and you need water the same the yeah. same is the, the same is the case with the soul you can't just leave it to to wither and die mm. we need to feed that spiritual food that it requires and that is through prayer that is through supplication that is through you know seeking the forgiveness and mercy and help of god almighty and in turn god almighty will then grant what what the what the soul also would, uh, requires and that is why i think it's yeah. very important to then yeah. pray five, five times a day for the you know the different times of the day um, are all catered for. Yeah, there's yeah, the morning, literally. there's the day that when we're busy in, in you know in our work or whatever it is in our education, and then there's like our downtime, like after work when the sun's setting, and also at night as well before we go to bed. There's also a time there where we where we remember God Almighty. So that remembrance is a way to also remind us how there is somebody, there is a higher power out there who's there looking is after a helping me. Hand, there it? is a helping hand if I do need help in any time of the day. There's always a, there's always a time to pray. Absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of people might might question or might say that, and I've heard this as well, that some people say that those people who have uh, anxiety, those people who have depression yeah. or chronically or chronic, chronically depressed, they are spiritually inactive or they're spiritually, you know, on, on a low rank. But that's but that's not the case, isn't it? That's not you, you can't you can't say that just just because somebody somebody is is feeling depressed or somebody is, has mm-hmm. anxiety. That person is especially low because if someone has a broken leg, you know you wouldn't be saying the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. So if you treat both of them equally, obviously how they're supposed to be treated, um, that that is the best way. That is the best way forward. You, spirituality definitely helps in alleviating the pain and in alleviating the the, the alleviating the stress, the anxiety, 
the depression that people go through, it can help through that process and it does help that process, just like you mentioned, because we have the opportunity in Islam five times a day to ask for help, to ask God, God Almighty for that assistance, to ask Him for that helping hand as well. But it's also important to 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 seek uh, to seek you know, medical medical attention to have that me- medicine yeah. and also speaking to that speaking to a person a specialist who can alleviate his problems uh, on a, on a, on a different on a different scale as well because your mind your body all of these things are inter- interlinked yeah. of course with your soul as well there's one there's one thing that before we do like move on is um yes just just one thing i wanted to share is something that i've actually watched um yeah. it was actually a netflix um, series like a documentary series you can say right and it's called uh, living to 100 the blue zones mm. and it basically is this person who's going around the world who's researched into um, what is it that gets human beings to live to an extraordinarily long life and he goes around the world to these different pockets where people, mm. you know, there's a concentration of people who live to 100 or more or very close to 100. Yeah. And he tries to work out the the reasons for them to to getting, How they can you know, what are the factors that are, you know, playing a vital role in this. Yeah. And in all the places around the world, it's very varied places like South America, there's the Europe, there's, you know, Japan, there's, you know, different places there. And the very common themes that he finds in all of them, one is diet eating natural foods a lot mm. of this um, you know processed food processed is something food, which actually yeah. has a bad effect on the body and that in turn has a bad effect on the mind the other one was ex- exercise which we talked about already the community around you is something which you know there's, there's connections you have with the people around you another one is purpose a very important one is having a purpose in life mm. and wherever he, wherever he went there were even those very old people who who seemingly should be really frail by that age mm. they're still very active and they have something which they, they do which keeps them um, you know, they have a target every single day of their life. It's not just like, okay, I'm just sitting here in my in my home and I'll just watch some TV or you know I'll have mm. some food and I'll go to sleep. There's mm. no there's no real purpose there. So we have to have that kind of purpose. And and and, it's, and religion is something which gives us all those things. Yeah, um, it does. You know, so so speaking to those around you and having having all those you know methods in place to keep you grounded and keep you um, well. And uh, have a you know mentally mentally well and also physically well. Mm. Those are the factors which really play a role in getting us out of um, you can say depression, anxiety, mental health illnesses, and even keep us away from those completely. And that's what that's what really helps those people to live so long. That's that's quite interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend watching that. But I mean, it ties in really well with what yeah. we're, we're discussing today. Yeah. And if you feel that you know, listen, if you feel that any of those things you're lacking in. Then I suggest, you know, whether it is, um, you know, eating well, whether it is, um, you know, exercising regularly, whether it is, um, you know, you you feel that you're all alone and you don't have anyone around you, then to get in contact with the community, then I feel, then I'd really suggest that you look at those things and analyze where where the shortcomings are and try to resolve those wherever the wherever you feel that you're lacking in, and hopefully those will really really help, be big steps in helping you towards your. Uh, your goals, and in, in, especially in terms of mental health, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is it is an interactive show. So if anyone wants to call in and tell us what they think in regards to this, or if maybe they've gone through this process as well, maybe yeah. they've come out of it, how they dealt with it. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. We're going to be taking a very short break now, and then when we come back, we will go into our next uh, our next segment, which is uh, we're talking about the pros and cons of weight loss drugs different things in regards to this as well so so quite, quite a little bit linked with the, with this topic as well but uh, we'll be back after a short break
Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Hazrat Yusuf, on whom be peace, mentions God's favors by virtue of his attribute of Al-Latif, the benignant, by recalling how God was his friend, while his brothers conspired against him. According to the lexicon, Latif is a kind of gracious being, one who is benevolent to his creation, as well as one who is aware of all subtle and incomprehensible matters. Al-Latif is one who illuminates hearts, who makes arrangements for physical and spiritual nourishment, and who offers his friendship to his servants during times of tribulation. The promised Messiah on whom be peace said that sight, intellect, and consciousness cannot reach God. It is impossible to try and see Him. He is Al-Latif. He is unseen and illuminates the person he reaches to such an extent that the person speaks for him, a divine honor mostly granted upon the prophets of God. God is the knower of all subtleties and is all aware. He is of those who seek him and raises prophets to be their guide to him. His light is manifested through His prophets as they spread the light of unity of God all around them. Among all the prophets of God, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon Him, disseminated this light the most. For it was He who had the most perfect perception of God, and it was He who was completely imbued in the colors of God. In the current age, because of his perfect and complete devotion and subservience to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, God has granted this distinct honor to the promised Messiah on whom be peace. It is the attribute of Al-Latif that makes God the friend of his servants in all trials and tribulations. Just as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, continuously prayed for the reformation of his Ummah as well as his opponents, as only Al-Latif can be the guidance and reformation. Al-Latif is the supporter of the victim, the voice of the oppressed. Al-Latif is that companion whose loyalty never fails to astound. It is he who fills hearts with his magnificent light. Then, should we not be grateful for the mercy of Al-Latif? Allah. 
Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on The Voice of Islam. Um, before the break, we were talking about depression and anxiety and ways to overcome it and how it affects our day-to-day, our day-to-day life and our challenges that we face. Um, now, in the second segment, we will be speaking about the new year, new me. What did 2023 teach us? of the pros and cons of weight loss drugs. In 2023 was a year of breakthroughs and one of one was weight loss miracles in the form of new drugs which have changed our perspective on weight, dieting and obesity. And these drugs administered through regular injections have gained popularity for their potential to provide fast and easy way to lose weight along with unexpected cardiac benefits. However, do we also need to take a wider look at obesity and its deeper causes? What is the connection between obesity and inequality? Why is obesity higher in highly unequal societies? So, you know, in speaking about this subject, we mm. will go straight in and, you know, we'll be discussing with our first guest. Yeah. Um, if you can, you can introduce Absolutely. her. Absolutely. We were going to speak to Katie Bearford, who's a senior clinical advisor for Diabetes UK. And uh, which you sort of, Diabetes UK aims to create creating a world where diabetes can do no harm. Quite promising as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Peace be upon you and good morning, Katie. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me to, to speak today. Absolutely. It's, it's a pleasure to speak to you as well. Can, just for the benefit of our listener, can you briefly describe the parts of the, what types of diabetes there are and does yeah. weight have a, a sort of an influence in, in, in regards to that, especially when it comes okay. to di- the diagnosis? Yeah, so um, first first of all, diabetes is, is a serious condition um, and there are two main types. There's type 1 and type 2 and they both cause high blood sugar levels and high blood sugar levels can seriously damage other parts of the body. This includes the feet, um, the eyes and it can lead to heart disease and strokes. So type 1 diabetes happens when the body can't produce any of the hormone insulin hmm. And it cannot be prevented. Um, the exact cause of this is is not known, although there's there's lots of research um, and researchers are working hard on this. With type two diabetes, um, the body doesn't make enough of the hormone insulin, or the insulin that it does make doesn't work effectively. Hmm. So the risk factors for type two diabetes they are multiple and complex. Living with obesity is the biggest risk factor. For developing type 2 diabetes but not everyone with obesity will go on to develop it there are other risk factors which include age ethnicity family history and high blood pressure hmm. so like you mentioned if it is if it is running in the family then most probably you know your you know if your parents have it you might have it or your children might 
might have as well. So is there a way is there a way that we can control that? Control the diabetes? Do you mean sort of um uh, prevent diabetes or we can I mean preventing is, is one thing as well. If we can if we can prevent it in the first place, but obviously if someone does have it, is it is it curable? Can we or can uh, we control it? So yeah, so that's a that's a really good question. So um type one diabetes, which is the one I talked about first, um, that there is not currently a cure for that one. Um, for type two diabetes, um, there is something called um, remission, and what this means is that um, blood sugar levels go go below um, the range for diabetes, but um, it, it's not permanent. What what that means is it can it, blood sugar levels can go back within the diabetes range, so um, it's kind of a fairly new area. Um, and and there is research into it and there's ongoing research so we call it remission rather than cure because there is a chance that that you know you die your, your blood sugar levels could go back within uh, the diabetes range hmm. so Katie um, is, I'm gonna struggle with this name it is semaglutide is that, yes. is that the name of one of the one of the drugs which is being used to yes it is yeah. yeah so I mean can you just give us a bit more information about you know the availability of this drug in the UK and confirm if the demand for it is being fulfilled. And f- furthermore, just on top of that, is you know what is the future of these drugs, and do you think that there will be alternatives? Yeah. So um, thank you for for bringing that up because we are really concerned at the moment about the shortage of GLP one. So semaglutide is um, belongs to a class of medications called GLP one. Yeah. Um, and there is uh, a shortage of these medications, and um, we're really concerned because. Um, we know that they are an effective medication for managing blood sugar for people with diabetes and they can also help some people to lose weight um, and have additional benefits such as reducing the risk of heart disease and stroke. Um, So at the moment, um, Diabetes UK fully supports the instruction which is that GLP-1 medications used to treat type 2 diabetes should not be prescribed off-label while there is uh, this ongoing shortage um, and what I mean by off-label is when they're prescribed outside of their approved use um, because this can have a, a knock-on effect for people living with type 2 diabetes um, where supply then can't meet the demand. Um, with regards to the future of these drugs, yeah. um, I, what I would say is new treatments for type 2 diabetes, they're being researched, developed all the time and you know in my experience, even over the last couple of years, there has been a real increase in drugs used to treat type 2 diabetes. Um, these developments are really exciting and they offer more options to people with type 2 diabetes. Um, and we feel that it's important that people with type 2 diabetes have access to different treatments um, to support them with managing their condition. Thank you very much, Katie. I know I know, um, short on time, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. And it's been a really, real pleasure to speak to you. Um, you. And uh, you know, given us a bit more in- insight into the into the drugs, semaglutide as well in the UK, and you know the short the shorts the shortcomings we have, and the you know hopefully we can get the supply that we that we require now. Hopefully, Thanks but yeah, thank much. you very much for letting us uh, know about all this and uh, have a thank lovely you. rest of the day. And you take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. That was Miss Katie Bareford, who is the senior clinical advisor for Diabetes UK.
think um, she, I mean it was a short but sweet interview mm. and I know that she that we didn't let, I didn't have much time to speak to her but I mean she's um, she's given us a lot of information in terms of mm. you know the, the problems that we face and the drugs that we do have available hopefully the availability of which will continue to be wider across the UK and people with type 2 diabetes will be able to yeah, I mean, you know, diagnose the, the, and, and care for themselves yeah. like the you know that, like in the first time that we spoke about the anxiety and depression yeah. and there are different things there are different cures there are different methods of, of trying to prevent that but also trying to cure that as well at the same time uh, it is something it is something which uh, which which is quite interesting because with these with this new technology such as AI yeah they can they can determine you know by your face facial recognitions your different expressions on your face if you are feeling down if you are feeling if you have anxiety if you are going through that that path of depression um, and then the cure will be there as well because you know you you've actually it's, it's it's registered that you that, that you have that. So, similarly, if we have different uh, technologies and different things, which can identify diabetes, type one ty- diabetes, type two diabetes, and different things like that, we th- you know th- th- if we find out earlier on, you can be you know we can we can try and we can try and treat that as well. And a lot of people and I and I, and I asked one and I asked this question to one of our guests as well earlier on that. People, be people start getting getting in denial. They they don't realize that they have this they have this problem or they are facing something. But once they are you know once they once they once they go through that process and then they seek special advice from from the specialist from the yeah. GP or whoever the GP actually refers refers you to, they can tell you that you know you have this problem. You need to treat it. And then people actually people realize that you know they need to do something about it as well. Yeah. And weight weight loss is a, is a very big thing. I think I think what's what's striking is the to me is in particular is how um, these these new medications. There's a trend of taking these medications mainly in the form of injections, and how they've shown impressive results over the last year. And um, I'm not going to even try to attempt to name <laughs> a lot of them, but yeah. they've been all, all over social media and in the headlines for for quite some time now. Um, and they've been showing people have been showing the results for the for the weight loss, and I mean for, for me I've always been a bit skeptical when it comes to yeah. just imagine you know just wonder drug that's going to come and just fix your your weight. You don't mm. you don't need to worry about you know eating or exercising well. Yeah. You just need to take this drug and you'll be fine. And there's always loads of scams about these all online and They're everything. Wrong. But yeah. it really seems that the ones which are um, which have been going around on social media recently and especially in the last year. Um, have been showing that they're really, really good results, and it's not just a, just not just a way of trapping you into to buying the drug. So that's something that which I'd, I'd like to discuss further in this um, in this segment. It's uh, it's something which uh, which we need to talk about because a lot because because of the processed foods that we have right now, a lot of the food that we consume, it's uh, it ha- go- goes through that process. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of the food that we do eat, we may think that it's healthy, but we don't know what's actually in there, is it? No, exactly. So you know, even in the fruits, the vegetables, you know, they you know they can be injected with a lot of different things as Absolutely. well. Including the pesticides, everything pesticides, used to everything. It, even before they fertilizers, become, everything. Yeah. Um, so it, it is it is something that we need to be cautious of. Let's speak to our next guest though, who's on the line with us. Tell us a little bit more in regards to um, in regard to eating habits and and, and diets. We'll speak to Doctor Word Al Najim. Who is a registered dietitian specializing in weight management? Asalaamu Alaikum, peace be upon you. Good morning, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. 
from the very outset, can you describe very briefly your role as a registered dietitian, what some of the things that you do and how you help your patients uh, with, with different concerns in regards to this? Sure. So I work primarily in the management of obesity, and I'm also a research fellow in University College Dublin, where I research uh, the biology of obesity. So um, basically, what we, what I do as a registered dietitian, is help patients with the disease of obesity. And I think it's very important for me to start with this um, because obesity is not a lifestyle choice; it is a disease of the subcortical areas of the brain. And once we understand that it's a disease, it actually makes a huge shift in terms of understanding what registered dietitians do in the treatment of this disease. Hmm. So, um, first of all, I think all dietitians, including myself, um, should not focus on um, basically the treatment being, you know, the usual eat less and move more. That just makes the symptoms of the disease much worse. Understandably, of course, when you ask people to eat less, they'll just feel hungrier. Um, they'll feel lethargic because of limited food intake during the day. And it's just difficult to sustain these changes long term. So um, our role is basically better understood if we start talking about medical nutrition. Um, because what we try to do during uh, in clinic and when we're talking with people going through um, a weight loss um, phase or a journey um, is how can we use nutrition to make people feel healthier or have health gains? Mm. And weight loss should become then a side effect of becoming healthier rather than the main focus or the main target. Right. right. Talking about d- different uh, weight loss drugs, can you provide a sort of an overview of uh, Ozempic and sort of you know, similar weight loss drugs as well? What makes them sort of different from traditional weight loss, weight loss approaches? Yeah, so uh, Ozempic is only one medication. Um, it's a prescription medication with the active ingredient semaglutide. Um, uh, semaglutide belongs to a class of medications called glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor agonists or GLP-1 agonists. And they basically work by mimicking the action of a natural hormone um, that is naturally secreted in the body called GLP-1, which is involved in regulating appetite. So when... Um, people take weight loss medications, including um, um, any any medication with the active ingredients in my side. It makes them feel fuller for longer and less hungry during the day. Mm. Um, so basically, they can it becomes easier for them to um, follow a healthier uh, lifestyle. So to eat less during the day um, and just not have that nasty feeling of hunger when they are trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. It's quite, it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. And have you actually noticed an increase of these, you know, drugs such as this, such as Ozempic and other weight loss drugs being prescribed even more? And also talking about talking about this, are there any misconceptions as well as misunderstandings um, when it comes to these weight loss drugs? Yes. So um, there has definitely been an increase recently in people choosing to be treated uh, with a medication for the disease of obesity. And I think that's um, that's a good thing. I appreciate there's a shortage of supply and the um, uh, speaker before me um, raising concerns. And I, I agree with all of these concerns. Um, but it, it is also a good thing for people to be choosing to be medicated for the disease of obesity because now people are understanding that it is a disease that might require more than the simple eat less and move more. 
Um, so previously people were just, you know, going to the, the nutritionist or a dietitian <clears throat> and trying really, really hard to lose weight with just these simple um, um, uh, ideas of, you know, we can just cut down on meals or go to bed hungry, basically. Mm. Uh, whereas now um, people understand that there's medications for the treatment of their disease. There's also surgical options for it. Um, so, yeah, so we're moving away from just people trying to become better citizens, um, you know, um, sticking to the healthy, um, healthy eating advice without having tools to support them um, alongside um, their journey. Um, whether there are myths or not um, around the medication, I think one important myth is that people think that it's a magic um, uh, treatment uh, or it's a magic jab. Um, like we see quite a lot in the headlines um, in the media, it's definitely not. It still contains um, or, or brings with it side effects. Every medication will have side effects. Um, and it's not just an easy journey for for patients taking weight loss medications. It's still a difficult journey and they still require a lot of support um, from the healthcare professionals in their journey. Dr. Ward, Dr. you spoke earlier about how you know, when you take the drug, it helps you like to feel full for longer, and you, you know, you're yeah. not as hungry. So, in terms of somebody who is trying to um, plan their diet and what they eat, how will this drug impact them, and what are the challenges that they will have to consider? Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good question. So, for example, um, people who take weight loss medications might not feel um, um, hungry for their meals. So, it, it could be even to the extent that we ask people to put reminders for them to, to eat their meals. Um, or when they start eating a meal, they will um, end the meal very early on. So, you know, maybe they eat half of the portion or a quarter of the portion that they are usually used to. Um, so the challenge becomes with people actually getting the, uh, um, the key nutrients in their diet um, when they are eating. So this becomes... Basically, our role as registered dietitian is monitoring the quality of the food that people are consuming while they are trying to lose weight, because the last thing we want is to cause nutritional deficiencies um, and then again cause health prob- problems rather than health gain. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, as you said, there are people who might see this as a as a wonder drug and just you know you just take the injection, that's it, you you know you'll start to lose weight, or you know in a, in a very in a fantastic way but at the same time the the reality then kicks in that you as you said there there are side effects there can be side effects and you must also have you know the other side of it which is um looking after your body and looking after your mind as well so how do you encourage patients to then incorporate these medications into like this as you said like a broader lifestyle modification plan I think uh, all people living with obesity must be informed of all the treatment options so that is just the dietary changes, um, or, or maybe I should say um, lifestyle changes. So that's uh, um, nutrition as well as exercise, but also uh, all the medications that are available to them. And we're not here just talking strictly about magnetite. There are other medications licensed for the treatment of obesity that they should be offered, um, and also surgical treatments if the patient is eligible for it. Uh, once this discussion is, happens, then it's up to the patient to choose which treatment um, suits their lifestyle, suits their, um, maybe some people will have more concern other, or, over others, um, 
but I think it's here we're talking about the ethics of providing all the treatments and giving them informed decisions or making them have an informed decisions about their treatments. Now, just finally, before I let you go, is um, in your opinion, what does the future hold for the development of weight loss medications? Are there any exciting research developments on the horizon? Yeah, so um, obesity continues to become uh, to be a hot topic for research, and um, the field of obesity also has been steadily evolving. Um, the ongoing research and development continues to explore, of course, novel approaches for obesity treatment uh, and uh, obesity management. I think the um, the um, the um, a lot of the research now focuses on targeted pathways. So basically, the aim um, to that aims to influence um, specific pathways involved in appetite regulation and metabolism. But we're also looking at a lot of research, looking at combined therapies. So how can we combine these different treatments to have uh, optimal results in the treatment of obesity? Dr. Bird, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. And as always, uh, have a lovely rest of the day. And thank you for, for being with us on the show, on The Breakfast Show here, The Voice of Islam. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. So that was Dr. Werdad Najim, the, who's a registered dietitian specializing in weight management. And she's currently um, efficiently managing the largest European obesity research project um, at the University of College Dublin. Um, so, I mean, I, mean this, um, I find it quite interesting how the this injection or this you can say this drug is not it shouldn't be taken and considered as this um this magic pill or the, the yeah. injection yeah. or whatever and it will, it's the be all and end all for obesity and this is going to get rid of it and you'll be fine it's uh, something you have to really incorporate into into a really healthy lifestyle and there are many many options um, out there in terms of you know how to treat obesity how to treat diabetes and uh, uh you know and other and other things as well but in t- in terms of um, this this new new drug and the trend being there, I think we should take you know step with ca- with caution and uh, really consider the you know all the options before we mm. go go ahead. But it seems that one of the big issues is the supply uh, as compared to the demand for this um, for this drug. And hopefully, um, it will people will not just use it in a negative way in terms of just thinking it'll it'll, it'll help everything solve all the issues. Um, it will also open their mind to you know to really. Take the steps that are required to to live a healthier life, um, whilst also taking the drug. <coughs> it's uh, it is important, isn't it? That we spoke what we spoke about before. How much of uh, of your of your physical activity, yeah, uh, and staying healthy can can be a vital uh, a vital tool to help prevent this in the first place, but also cure it, uh, cure it as well, because weight loss. It is linked to to diabetes as well, isn't it? And being ha, being overweight or even being obese can actually very much increase the factor, increase the risk of uh, of a person becoming diabetic, and that can be quite problematic as well. Obviously, yeah. if you if you if you're, if you're suffering from two problems, two illnesses, then then you know curing them or you know treating them can actually be very very difficult. So obviously. It's all about it's all about being aware. It's all about being aware of your of yourself, being aware of others around you, and obviously, when it comes to when it comes to different factors, different points, the uh, you know the recognition is is very very much important, and uh, to actually realize if you have a problem, 
you know how you know that it's it's much easier to cure is to cure a person who, if you know that if you know the illness if you know what you're treating yeah if you if you're in denial if you don't know or if you don't admit that you have a problem yeah. it's very difficult to to treat that person as well i mean i mean uh, even within uh, within islam like we mm. we discussed about obesity we've discussed um you know di- diabetes and discussed other subjects yeah. as well but it, but in islam we really find an example in the in the prophet muhammad peace and blessings be upon him our holy prophet he emphasized a great deal on um, eating in moderation and eating Good, yeah. well, that which is yeah. good and that which is Portions. which is wholesome, and at the same time, um, he em- emphasized a lot about you know exercise is something which um, we should be getting in regularly every, any, anyway, yes. and walking is just, is a very good way just if if you can't do other forms of exercise than just a, a simple walk every day is something which will at least keep yeah. certain illnesses at bay. Yeah, you understand? Absolutely. Like it's Absolutely. like it's it's um it's more of a, pre- a preventative. You know, prevention is better than cure, and living a, a lifestyle which uh, incorporates all those factors which you've discussed is already a way of reducing the risks of um, you know of having you know illnesses, having obesity, having diabetes. Um, so it, just putting all those together, it just seems like there's a complete model there for us to to follow, for us to then you know go go forward in a way that um, you know keeps us in a healthy mind and a healthy body. It's important. I mean, the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, the founder. Of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community as well, it was his practice that after the after the morning prayers, yeah, right, he would go on walks, he would go on excursions, yeah, uh, with an entourage as well, uh, with his you know different companions and followers around him, and they used to you know you know um, discuss different points and different and different things uh, in those uh, excursions as well, and the way that he would walk was you know was quite was quite fast yeah and obviously that was in line with the with the with the traditions of the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him as well and it's it said that when he when he used to walk it used to seem as if i mean somebody has narrated that whenever he used to walk it, it almost looked as if he is always going downhill so that's the way that he used to he used to walk i mean obviously we can Derive from that that he used to brisk walk, walk you know, yeah. a little bit fast with a little bit of a, of a pace, but the way that he used to walk was you know, as if he was coming up from down, you know, going downhill. Yeah. So it's it's quite it's quite interesting. It is interesting. I mean, but just going back to the the subject of the you know the, the this not not a magic drug you can say, but it's the you know these which mm. help with the with diabetes. It's actually what I found really interesting was yeah. how the famous Dr. Yuan Lu, who, who he's not really involved in the study, but what he said is that uh, in terms of the the effects that this this these drugs are having is, is such that no medication has so dramatically reduced cardiovascular risk among people with heart disease. Right. The uptake of this drug is going to be skyrocketing, skyrocketing in the next couple of years. So that just really goes to show how this isn't just your average, uh, <coughs> you know, weight loss, um, which is, um, drug, which is being advertised in, in different ads all around websites and stuff. It's actually the real deal. It seems as if that it's really going to help people, and not just weight loss, but also, as I said, um, health problems with, with the, to do with the heart, with to do with breathing, as well. And um, so basically, like Novo uh, Nordisk, the company that makes uh, two of those drugs, said that it has already filed paperwork with the Food and Drug Administration regulators uh, in the European Union to update uh, the label to include that it can reduce the risk of cardiovascular events in certain patients. And this was in a, a trial with like over 17,600 participants aged 45 and older who had pre-existing heart conditions. So it's, it's a very uh, rigorous um, research, you can say, which has been done into this to 
to show the effects of it. So it's not mm. just to do with weight loss, it's to do with the you know, cardiovascular disease, which is a big problem, especially mm. in certain communities. Yeah. yeah, it is, it is. And like, like, like our previous guest uh, spoke about as well, that it's it's also in your genes, isn't it? So Absolutely. obviously if, you're, if your parents have that and, you know, sort of their parents had that as well, then it's, you know, most probably a risk, yeah. is a risk that you might ha- you might have it as well, you might contract it as well, or your siblings or your children might, might have it as well. So obviously, like you mentioned, prevention is better than cure. So obviously, if you can make sure that you have a healthy diet, make sure you're keeping yourself physically active, you're doing all of these things to prevent it happening in the first place, then that can actually be, be, be key. But obviously, if you do get it, unfortunately, then there are different things that you can actually look into um, a lot of different dr- drugs, weight loss drugs, but also different preventions as well. Um, but it, it is it is important that we that, that we look out for these things earlier on, because children also. There was a study which um, which, which suggested that children are also, um, ch- you know, children are also becoming obese. Children are also becoming overweight, and these are children I'm talking about in primary school, so five, six, seven year olds. All the way up to you know eleven year olds, where you know primary schools up to eleven, yeah. And th- there are children becoming becoming overweight, and that can actually be very risky as well. It's it's because it's because of the food that we're eating, isn't it? It's because of the food, all of the food that we eat. A lot of it is processed. That's a big problem. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a very big problem. People need food and they need it fast, right? And <laughs> we're going to restaurants, fast food restaurants, and and you know that comes with a price, even though it's so much cheaper than you know very healthy. You know, organic food. Yeah, the price it comes with is the the health of effects that it has on you. It's processed, so it the, there's most likely going to be some effects of that. Um, and the research shows how these effect increase the you know problems in the cardiovascular mm. issues and there's obesity, all those that come with it. But again, that's something which um, it's a it's a broader problem. It's a broader problem. It's something which we need to look at in terms of you know in a holistic way, holistic view. Not just not just think about. Um, you know what food is best for us. We have to manage our lifestyle completely. Absolutely. Yeah. When it comes to obesity, we've got a specialist who, who we would like to speak to as well, Professor Paul Gately, who is the CEO of Obesity UK. Peace be upon you. Good morning, and welcome to the show, Paul. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Just talking about talking about weight loss, and uh, these. You know, we, we spoke about weight loss drugs as well with our with our previous guest. But just before we talk a little bit more about that. Why do so many people uh, around the world find it hard to to reduce their weight? Well, I think simply, you know, we would not have survived as a species if we did not hunt and gather food that is energy dense. So throughout most of our existence as a species, food has not been plentiful. So we've developed a whole range of mechanisms for us to survive. Um, What we've seen, though, over the last 100 to 200 years is is an abundance of food um, and an abundance of energy-saving devices as we technologically advance to produce more food and to make lives easier for ourselves. We are on a day-by-day basis burning less calories. So the inevitable outcome of that, of that sort of, you know, that development of our civilization, if one if one likes it that way, Mm. Is, is obesity is a consequence, as are many non-communicable diseases such as diabetes and types of cancer and heart disease and so on and so forth. So it's, it's, it's not surprising given our biological uh, and genetic history. Interesting, interesting. 
obviously we we've come into the new year now so and a lot of people have these new year's resolutions trying to reduce weight as much as possible and obviously a lot of different people have different reasons why they want to lose weight as well it could be just because um they might be overweight they want they might want to lose weight or f- or because of other reasons such as health reasons and other problems as well how 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 do you think that these um, or do you think that these weight loss drugs are are, are key as they're coming in and do you think this is the way forward now well i think weight loss drugs are really important you know um they're a, they're an important part of the toolkit but if if i can i'll take a step back because you're absolutely right that um, people have different reasons for wanting to lose and manage their weight. And those reasons are really, really important. And often people jump past them. What we know, what the science tells us, if, if those reasons are very external, you just want to look better in, in terms of, you know, how your clothes fit and things like that, then those things tend to not be as sustainable. Whereas if you if you really want to improve your health or you want to spend time with your children or you want to, you know, uh, improve your lifestyle in other ways so that mm. you can be more effective at your job, then those more intrinsic drivers are much more likely for people to be successful. So I think right. when, when people reflect on their purpose, it's really important to have purpose that is more intrinsic than extrinsic. So then, and that's also really important for the medications as well, because we know weight loss medication works, but it only works when people are taking it. So, right. you know, um, and there are side effects of these medications. Um, you know, not serious, but there are side effects that people need to be aware of. So, so it's important for people to consider that. And these weight loss drugs do work. It's fantastic now that the area of obesity has as well as things like bariatric surgery, psychology, lifestyle, exercise, and a variety of other um, means, it has the means of pharmaceuticals uh, that helping us. So it's another addition to the toolkit. The point is that all the evidence points to the fact that people will regain the weight back if they stop the drugs, right. um, yeah. go back to the purpose. But secondly, what we also know is people lead a healthy lifestyle. If the, if the meds help them, lead a more healthy lifestyle, if it gives them a bit of support to be able to manage some of their mental health issues that drive their weight or their, you know, the social factors that drive their weight, then they can be much more successful with a holistic program. And that's the key. It's got to be holistic and relying on drugs won't work. Simple as that. And Paul, just to, just to like play the devil's advocate or just give the view of the skeptics out there because, you know, as you, as you know, just injecting something into your body, there'll be those who like we've seen with the COVID jab as well, we'll say like, you know, we're not, we don't want anything injected into our body. We don't really know like, the effects it's going to have on us. Even like today, people will say that, the, you know, the COVID injection that they had has had a long-term effect on their health as well. They've had issues that have come after, which, um, you know, they didn't have before prior to the, you know, the, the COVID jab that they, that they took. So what would you say to those who, who say the same thing about such a, such a, you know, medication for weight loss? Why would they, why should they put something in, you know, inject something into their body when they, when they fear there could be some long-term illness, um, you know, side effects that come with it? Yeah, what a great question. And I, and I think what's, what's relevant to most people is these things are about choices. And, you know, we've had the choice of bariatric surgery, which is an extreme. And lots of people have chosen not to have bariatric surgery because, you know, the, it is a significant surgical procedure that has long-term 
changes to people's um, feeding habits. So, so that's a choice, as well as lifestyle in terms of psychology, going, you know, getting psychological support for mental health challenges, being more physically active is a choice, be eating a healthier diet. You know, on day by day, there, there are choices there, lifestyle choices that people make. I'm not suggesting obesity is a lifestyle choice, it's really complicated but people can choose across the tools that they have from bariatric surgery to medication to lifestyle activities. And so there is still choice there. So, you know, it's not saying people have to take medication, but for those that have tried lifestyle um, support before and it's not really worked for them, it may be, you know, medication may be helpful rather than surgery. So it's really just another tool in the toolkit. And if people choose that it's not for them, then there are alternative tools. They're just different tools. Absolutely. So hopefully, <laughs> I mean, hopefully this is these drugs which are which have now been uh, manufactured. Hopefully they will help a lot of people to overcome the the issues that they are facing in terms of obesity, in terms of uh, weight loss, in terms of diabetes. And uh, do you see this being the future, or do you see something um, even better coming um, than what we have right now? Yeah, I mean, so we, we uh, uh, I work with Obese UK and I also work with an organisation called More Life and we're de- we deliver services across the country for the NHS. And what we are seeing is more and more people taking a more conscious um, thought process around what they, how they improve their weight and how they improve their lifestyle. And so when people come to us, they're, they're aware of these drugs, but they're not aware enough to make an informed decision. So mm. our doctor or our psychologist or our sort of nurse would be talking to them, helping them understand what their needs are, helping them understand what might be the right medication or the right support program for them. Do they need to go down a pathway of lifestyle support first? Do they need to go down a medication pathway? Do they need to go down a bariatric surgery pathway? And so, and, and that is really important because people then have some much more informed choice. And I think in the past, you know, with a lot of fad diets, with other fad weight loss uh, op, uh, options out there, people, you know, lose a bit of weight to start with, but then become disgruntled, become, uh, it becomes harder, and they just haven't got the right support. So at organizations like More Life yeah. and through organizations like Obesity UK, we're trying to support people alongside their weight loss journey rather than give them a, a diet sheet and sort of, you know, say to them, go on and see how you get on. And just people need support for something that is incredibly complex. And as we talked about, we've got millions, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of human evolution is causing this problem, not, you know, it's the last 200 years that the environment changed for us. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Professor Paul. It's been uh, it's been really interesting speaking about this subject with you. Um, have a re- lovely rest of the day and peace be upon you. You too. Thank you very much. That was Professor Paul Gately, who is uh, the CEO of Obesity UK, uh, Professor of Exercise and Obesity at the Obesity Institute, Leeds uh, Beckett University. Mm-hmm. I mean, this uh, it, it's true that we we do require support alongside that the whole. Uh, weight loss mm. process yeah. it's not something yeah. which is easy and um, for some people it's very very difficult and to have the motivation to go ahead and do that is is not always it's not, it's not an easy thing to do um again that that community side of it that having someone to speak to and having these organizations there in place to to help you along that along that journey is something which um cannot be understated 
Um, so, I mean, thank you. I'm really, really grateful that we are able to speak to so many guests about this uh, important mm-hmm. subject. And if anybody listening, if you do have any issues uh, when it comes to obesity, when it comes to diabetes, then please do consult the medical, um, the professional medical uh, yeah, care which yeah. is there, and uh, you know, uh, we're, we're not we're not here to yeah, yeah we're not here to, to diagnose the issues or to to recommend anything. But you, you can hear from the from the talks that we've had today how these uh, drugs they they are an option as well, and mm. they and they are showing yeah uh, good signs do, of helping yeah. in terms Results. of uh, medical health. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's important to also not not fall prey to these uh, sort of, uh, you know, so, so social media platforms as well. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of people on social media on different on different platforms. They say, oh, you should do this, you should do that, try this, try that. And then people follow them and then it's, you know, that that, that proves... That proves to be you know. <laughs> on social media, there's always some someone who says, "Don't eat like white bread; it's really bad yeah. for you." And then and they start eating brown bread. And then there's somebody else on social media who's another influencer saying, "Oh, brown bread is the worst yeah, thing you can do." So, I mean, there's so much information out it's, there and disinformation that you have to be really careful and, yeah. and really use your wisdom to discern what is right and what is absolutely, wrong. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Let's listen to a brief audio clip of His Holiness Mayor Labia's helper talking about you know how and why we should take care of our health. Question is, what are some daily practices beloved Hazur takes part in to take care of his health? I used to do some exercise in the past, but not now. I don't think I take any measure or any precautionary measure to take care of my health or for the betterment of my health. From morning to evening, there's a work, so I don't find time to do some exercises or do something else. But at least, you are young, you should do it. Take care of your health. This is your big responsibility. And you have been given the task to reform the world. And if you are healthy, then you can do your work in a proper way. Right? Jesus. I mean, that is, that, is, that is the advice of His Holiness, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. May Allah be his helper. I mean, we're coming towards the, the end of our show today as well. It's been a very jam-packed show. And uh, obviously, of course, join us join us tomorrow where we're going to be talking about some very interesting topics as well. Firstly, we're going to be talking about preventing the... Protecting, sorry. Protecting the vulnerable. And how, obviously, when, you know, you know with, with the wars happening as well, how we can protect the protect the civilians over there as well, the innocent people. Next, we're going to be talking about resolution to, to wellness um, and also diving into dry January and also towards the latter part of the show on tomorrow's show we're going to be talking about the importance of nurturing child genius um, quite interesting topics as well obviously of course it has been an interactive and well, I mean a jam-packed show thank you to all the guests who took time out and spoke to us of course the researchers and producers as well Hania Zainab uh, and uh, Maida Mubashira, of course, the researchers as well. Of course, te- thank you to the technical department and uh, brother Nuruddin Jahangir. That is an always always a pleasure to to present with you to us. Until next time, Assalamualaikum warahmatullah.